0: The case, once the monks of the Western and Eastern Halls were arguing about a cat, Nansen, holding up the cat, said, you monks, if you can't say a word of Zen, I will spare the cat. Otherwise, I will kill it. No one could answer. So Nansen cut the cat in two. That evening, when Joshu returned, Nansen told him about of the incident. Joshua thereupon took his, took off his sandal, put it on his head, and walked off. Nonsense said, if you had been there, the cat would have been saved.
1: Okay, though, um, would you read the commentary?
2: Yes. The commentary. Just say, what is the real meaning of Joshua putting his sandal on his head? If you can give a turning word on this point. You will see that nonsense action was not in vain but if not beware
1: and and milan the verse
3: i my tongue is not ready can i ask somebody else to read it
1: okay i like i like that that could be another verse my tongue is not ready had joshua only been there he would have taken charge He would have snatched away the sword, and Nanshan would have begged for his life.
2: I always have so many more questions than answers after we read a koan. What do these English words used to translate the koan from ancient text and multipurpose ancient symbols really mean? Do we ever truly capture the full context of a time and circumstance in translations and words? Are we trying to watch a spring flower garden grow in two di- in the two-dimensionality of black and white words? But we start where we are, and here's where I am. I have so many questions. What is meant by arguing? We talked about that last time, so we can talk more later. What does say a word of Zen really mean? Is Zen even anything you can put into a word, even not two, is more than one word? And no one can answer, but was he asking for an answer with words? Because it seems to me. They answered in many ways without them. Is that what Nansen asked of the monks? And if so, why was he willing to accept a gesture, a shoe on Joshua's head, a sign of mourning as a word? And was the mourning over the loss of the cat? Or was the cat even lost? So many questions. This is morning a broader morning of the monks' blindness to the greater truth of reality, to their practice, to the Dharma. So many questions and no answers. No Dharma gate for me. Not yet.
3: Thank you.
1: So perhaps he was grieving. Uh, Doshu was grieving the monks. We've talked about that before, the monks' ignorance. I don't know. And some people say that cat was never killed. One of the things I've been holding this week is, is whether <laughs> a... Uh, A wonderful Zen teacher would do this kind of thing. I can imagine a mean father doing this thing. If you kids stop arguing, I'll throw throw out the television. Anyone ever hear that one, or something like it? Well, I'll
2: I'll get rid of your dog. I've heard that one.
1: Oh, okay. So that's not much different. And um, so anyway, you know, it's such an easy explanation, this thing of what is the real meaning of Joshua uh, putting a sandal on his head as that was a symbol of grieving, that it couldn't be in this commentary. It's too easy of an answer for it to be a turning word on the point. That would make this commentary just ridiculous because everyone at the time knew what that meant. Unless like N- Nelda said it, it was, a, it was, it raised the question, who was he grieving? Well, I, I'll show mine since I've already started. So this is the cat freed and it's freed because it was tethered to the earth and it was cut in two but the two was in the umbilical cord kind of tethering it so now now it is free and becoming part of the whole everything so so that's kind of where i've been been and uh this is joshu or zog another word for him uh, with the hat on his head and this is Danhan with his sword so that's that's the whole picture but I'm not sure the the tethering idea works either because... Um, I don't know it's i i guess i'm confused which is probably a good way to be okay lynn help us out
3: <laughs> i wrote um, what is a word of sin same question than elders what is silence What is done in the face of an event that surpasses understanding? Could a cat be saved?
1: What's, do you mean what does it mean to save a cat? like almost in a Christian sense?:
3: Well, no, it's different. What does it mean to save a cow or a rabbit or a human or a rose is different than if it could be
1: saved? What does it mean to you to save a cat?
3: I don't know. It's a metaphor. So. The, well, I I don't know if this coin is about the cat, but <laughs> but but the cat is kind of the victim, to me. So I don't know if, if it could have been saved or not is.
1: Yeah, the monks lost a lot. You could say that the monks were also victims because they lost their cat.
3: But they didn't lost their life in the hands of others.
1: So I just but, had, but what they did lose was their um peace of mind because this is going to be on their in their they're going to feel guilty that their silence killed the cat so that, in a, they were that, harmed as well
3: that's why i asked about silence because as Nelda was saying in his her writing so probably sin is about silence And probably that's the perfect answer. I'm not sure. To me,
1: it didn't work to save the cat.
3: That's why I'm asking if
0: it did
1: (laughs) or not.
3: You know, as part of certain events that could not be stopped or avoided.
1: There is that aspect of it that that these events are sequential and, and cannot be undone. You know, like time, like you do something, and no matter how much you apologize, you can't undo it. You can't make up for it. So so there's an interesting thing here about time, isn't there? That this event happens, and this event happens, and this thing happened. I mean, first they're arguing, then the cat is cut, then he <laughs> puts a sandal on his head. Cody.
2: Well, before we go on, um, Melanne, I really loved your question. What is done in the face of an event that surpasses understanding? And, and, And it made me realize when you asked that question that one of the things that is missing from this koan is any discussion about intention because When you said that, what is done in the face of an event that surpasses understanding? I know that we as Zen practitioners um, start with a certain intention and a hope for a certain consequence. And sometimes that consequence that we wanted in the immediate moment, we get the polar opposite. But what we don't know is what the consequence of that consequence is. So I'm certain, at least in my heart, in my personal you know, egocentric view, that the monks would not have wanted the cat killed. That certainly wasn't their intention, but that was the result of whatever they did, at least in this koan. Um, and, and that maybe, maybe the consequence that they wanted was different, but that a different, even greater consequence came after, after the cat's death. So thank you for prompting my inquiry into intention and consequences when we have to make a decision many times in our lives um, in the midst of an event that surpasses understanding.
1: We defend our, our uh, actions by our intent, don't we? Even though the effect might be very different than what we intended.
2: What else do we have, Kim, but are a pure and wise?
1: And- well, in in our apology, sometimes we can apologize that you know, it hit the wrong place. So the monks certainly, like you said, didn't have an intention that they would kill the cat when they were arguing over it. And what they wanted nanshan to do, I suppose. If anything, was to d- decide who, who's really on <coughs> whose cat was it really, the Eastern or Western? Cody, can yes. you help us out?
0: I didn't write, but it, it made me think of that saying uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions.
1: And can you say more? Who's, whose intentions <clears throat> are you thinking of? Well,
0: I don't. I guess uh, you could say nonsense, because he he's looking. Well, from from what I'm reading on the case, he's looking for, you know, a word of Zen, but nobody can say anything, and so he he just he takes this cat and just cut it in half. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 been a minute for me, so I'm kind of <laughs> just kind of trying to get back into it. But uh, yeah, that's that's I mean, that's one one thought that came to mind, especially the way um Nelda just explained it. Would you say what that Nansen was a good teacher? He's 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 great at giving uh at sticking by his word. I say I can tell you that. <laughs>
2: if <laughs> we talked about maybe we didn't cody I, I don't remember it's been more than a minute But I yeah. think in the previous class we talked we touched briefly on on the on the bible story of solomon and how these two women were arguing that the baby was hers and the baby's mine. these two women and Solomon decided to cut the baby in half. And one woman said, no, 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 it's not my baby. Give it to woman A. And Solomon immediately knew that the woman who said that was the mother. Because a mom's love will not let her baby be killed. She'd rather give it up than than surrender it to death in that way. And I wonder if maybe Nansen was wanting the same thing from the monks. If he was saying, say a word of Zen or I'll cut the cat in two, maybe he was hoping that the monks from the Eastern or the Western would go, you know, you know what? Let them have the cat. That's fine, you know, and and that would show true love for another for a living being, true desire to promote its life and life itself. So I don't know. That's as Cody was talking, that's what came
1: up. Then the grief would be, <coughs> to me, that that the monks, rather than doing that, would let the monk, would the cat die. I was reading a Talmud every day. I read a Talmud case, and in the Talmud case, it w- it was about uh, a similar thing that if you if you order someone to go and kill someone are is the person who orders the killer or is the one who does the killing the killer or both and and of course with all these these um, in, the, in the talent there's uh, two views expressed and then there's a decision about whose view is most correct but they always hold on to the other view So the view that won out was that both people are responsible. Anyway, let's read. Okay, we're ready? (coughs) So let's read in this order. Uh, Cody Kim, Milan Nelda.
0: The two protagonists of this koan, Nansen and Joshu, are two of the great masters of Zen. Nansen was the teacher of Joshu, Chinese, Xiaozhu. Okay, Xiaoxu. Nansen, Chinese, Nanshuang, in turn was a disciple of the great Basu. Nansen dates are 748 to 835. He had his head shaved at the age of nine, and at 30, Took full ordination vows and devoted himself to a Buddhist study for several years. Finally, he knocked on the door of Zen Master Basso and forgot all that he had previously learned.
1: Hmm. At forty-seven in the year seven ninety-five, <coughs> Nansen built with his own hands a retreat hut on Mount Nansen, from which he took his name. One of his disciples was the governor of the province, and there's an intriguing mondo between the two. A, a mondo is a um, a discussion and argument after the government had done Dokasan, which is practice discussion with Nansen. Nansen said to him, when you return to your office in the city, <coughs> how will you rule the people? The answer was, I will use wisdom to govern them. In that case, every last one of them will suffer. So, um. That's really interesting. Because wisdom is with a sword. You know, as opposed to compassion.
3: Yeah. Wisdom is with a sword?
1: Manjushri has a sword. You want to see
2: your mm-hmm. delusion and, uh. Yeah.
1: This is the Bodhisattva of Wisdom. Mm.
0: Okay, thank
1: you. And some of the things we've read connect um, the sword to, it seems, maybe Norman Fisher. Did he make, and here's another good one. Mm. Just looking for a cat. (laughs) but isn't that interesting i'm i'm going to rule with wisdom and then people will suffer
2: so kim why at the end of our chance the chant in the morning and i don't know the name of it but it's the timekeeper who says it and we go through all of our ancestors and we end with manjushri i mean manjushri is held in high regard
1: Yes, absolutely. Wisdom, but, but luckily, there's wisdom and compassion. Okay. I think one without the other is, and people have it's not just me. People have said this many times that one without the other. I think we're going to read that. <laughs> it, it's a big problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so here, here we go. Um. So who's reading next or did did I, did did I read that?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay.
3: What we see here is a sense of self-intentionality, which on the face of it seems to be very fine thing to endeavor, endeavor to govern with wisdom, compassion. But once you talk about it, it's already gone. You are already assured that there won't be any wisdom or compassion. You don't need to set about to govern with wisdom or compassion. If you just govern fully, put yourself wholly into any activity. Nothing held back without any notions of being wise or being this or being that. The action will be a true action we all have this compassion and innate wisdom this brashna wisdom that will emerge once we remove the obstacles to its functioning functioning
1: I think Cody admired that um when he said that he kept his word so he put himself wholly into the activity maybe Nanshan but I don't know that he he had compassion.
0: He went all in.
2: Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. That is, that is a, uh, a lovely aspect that he contributed. He was all in and he did keep his word and, uh, and that's important to have. But, you
1: know, I mentioned last week and Nelda didn't agree that, that he was uh, angry.
2: Oh no, what I said was argument doesn't necessarily imply being angry.
1: And I read it, I read it as anger. And um, but was he angry at these monks? I I can't let go of that, <laughs> that he was angry at the monks for arguing over this trite thing where they're they could be talking about the word of Zen. Mm-hmm. And um someone sent me one of the the ways that the young monks would would study would be that they would argue and I someone sent me a movie of them arguing and it's almost like a dance and they're in the out in the yard and they're moving their arms and they're moving their feet and they're as they're arguing they're not just like talking in their mouths but their whole bodies are engaged it was quite beautiful
2: oh Kim send that to us
1: well well, this this was like three but uh
2: you don't have to do it now, but can you think of it.
1: This let's let's see. Yes, I found it.
2: Three minutes. Can we do that? The three minute one? Three four.
1: You're gonna love this. If we get fired. We'll...
2: Do you know that I went when I was in, in Lhasa? One of the activities we did was the teaching oh, uh... the teaching of the monks. That's exactly what it looked like in a courtyard in those same robes except it wasn't them arguing against each other it was a teacher with a group of students asking a question and then different ones would answer are you going to show it
1: okay oh wait 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 i i want you to be able to hear it that's that's what i was trying to do and then i got distracted by listening to you okay like they're fighting or even angry, but they're not. It's just a way of making one another delve more deeply into the Buddhist philosophy.
2: that was exactly what i went to in Lhasa. exactly i had no idea what it was (laughs) i thought it was kind of scary because i'm like oh my gosh they're being mean to each other but again i knew nothing of buddhism or the you know what this meant thank you kim that brought back good memories
1: so so maybe maybe i told you this Nelda. i don't remember but there there's a photographer ray metzger who's a very experimental photographer um and he taught at a college in uh, i think philadelphia academy of arts in philadelphia and there was another photo teacher there who was more traditional and his students would actually fight in the hallways what is the right photography? Yeah. And uh uh yeah, you know, someone wrote a biography of Ray Metzger and they promised to send it to me, but they they hadn't yet they haven't yet. But anyway, I was he's been a fan i I've been a fan of his. Um okay, we have to go back to our dicks. There we go. Think (coughs) maybe not. Okay, can you see it now? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Nelda, I think it's your turn.
2: Well, it's a little blurred and a little small, Kim. Oh, it's,
1: it's, better, it's better now. I can see it.
2: There, there. Thank you. Uh, where are we?
1: I think another antidote.
2: Another antidote, when Nansen was about to die, the head monk asked him, your reverence, a hundred years from now, where will you be? I shall be a water buffalo at the foot of the hill, said the master. Would it be all right for me to follow you? Asked the head monk. If you follow me, you must hold a stalk of grass in your mouth. Oh, I love that, it was Nansen's reply. He'd have to be a water buffalo, too. Do you want me to read the next one? Sure. I would be a water buffalo at the foot of the hill. Nansen believed it is through work that one finds real fulfillment. Not only work for oneself, but work for others. Of course, work that is truly for oneself is for others. Nonsense wants to be a water buffalo at the foot of the hill, nothing spectacular, just to be an ordinary water buffalo and serve. That's what a water buffalo does. I'm sorry, that's all a water buffalo does.
0: Let's say something, and, and that's Where's what
1: a, a wait. That's what a bodhisattva does, maybe. Okay, <coughs> Cody. Thank you.
0: Let's say something briefly about Zhao Zhu. Although it's hard to be brief where Zhao Zhu is concerned, there are so many mondo about him. His dates are seven seventy eight to eight ninety seven, which puts his age at death about at about one hundred and twenty. There is a very famous mondo between Nansen and Zhao Zhu which became a con in the mumunken joshua said what is the way nanshan replied ordinary mind is the way joshua asked shall i try to seek after it if you try to seek after it you go away from it joshua continued if i do not try for it how can i know the way the master replied the way is not a matter of knowing or not knowing knowing is illusion not knowing is blankness if you attain to this way of no doubt it is a boundless it is as boundless a vast space so how can there be right or wrong in the way at these words Zhu was said to have his have had his first enlightenment this was at the age of around 18
1: If you attain true comprehension of the Tao, the way, your vision will be like infinite space, free of all limits and obstacles. We begin to see what is meant in Zen about this freedom to move in any direction. All concepts, all notions of phenomena will all go from the mind. After Joshu's full enlightenment around the age of 58, he spent many years traveling to visit others and masters. It wasn't until he was almost 80 that he opened his own temple. One time someone said to him, a man of your age shouldn't try to find a place, a man of your age should try to find a place to settle down and (coughs) teach. Joshu pointedly asked, where is my abiding place? And then this person said what with so many years on your head you have not even come to know where your permanent home is of course this person was somebody who would have had training in zen to which Xochitl says for 30 years i've roamed freely on horseback today for the first time i've been kicked by an ass len
3: now back back to our con this is one of the most famous in the mumonkan. this is one of the most famous in the mumonkan, and some commentaries on it have voiced alarm by moralists about the killing of the cat of a cat but if the coin is truly understood in this deepest sense in its deepest sense We transcend all moral and ethical considerations. When people hear that, they may ask, well, does this mean that Zen is above mortality? The answer is yes, it is. But mortality is not below Zen. Zen transcends mortality, but it doesn't... It's morality. Ah, sorry, morality. I'm sorry. Well, does it... Does this mean that Zen is above morality? The answer is yes, it is. But morality is not below Zen. Zen transcends morality, but it doesn't exclude it. Morality by itself is confining. It's kind of a brace, a brace of right and wrong. And of course, Zen wants to take us beyond that.
2: The koan begins, once the monks of the Eastern Hall and the Western Hall were arguing about a cat. What may have happened was that Nansen and Yoshu had gone to town, and as often happens when the Roshi's away, well, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And then in walks this cat. Although the koan doesn't tell us what they were arguing about, it could have been Does a cat too have Buddha nature? And one group is saying it has, while the other says, no, it hasn't. And as this dispute is going on, Nansen comes up upon the scene. We can only imagine how bad he feels to see the Zen monks, not only idly arguing about the cat, but displaying no real understanding.
1: (coughs) That's interesting to me because I was assuming they were arguing about who owned the cat. I think it's a good example of how we <laughs> we kind of latch onto a story.
2: So he grabs the cat, probably with mixed emotions of disappointment in the monks and compassion for them. And he says, you monks, if you can say a word of Zen, I will spare the cat. Otherwise, I will kill it. And he's holding the cat by the neck and the cat is going, yeah, I don't You can't, you can just see him there fiercely holding that cat, but nobody answers. So suddenly he picks up a knife and just cuts the cat. Oh, yes.
0: So it wasn't about the cat. The cat was just collateral damage.
2: Yeah, me, yeah. Was more at risk here, and that was a whole monastery of monks who had lost any real understanding. Not that the cat's not important. I'm not saying that, but again, the cat's a metaphor, as Malen told us. It is.
1: I think we can. I assume I liked the idea of assuming that he's a really great teacher, and and then asking, does that change? <laughs> my reading because he's given kind of a bad a lot of people when they read this koan think he's a bad guy how could he do this
3: yeah
0: aghash no one seems to understand what's going on the first vital point of the koan is what is the word of Zen? Is there a word of Zen? We read that Zen is a transmission beyond words and letters. Please do not misunderstand. This does not mean that Zen is against words and letters. If it were, there would be no Mumancon, no Blue Cliff Record, and all of the masters would have had to be silent. What Zen wants are live words.
1: So Muman was the w- one of the first people who assembled the koans so i think it's muman khan which is his assemblage
0: well suppose you had been there what would you have said well what, what would have been a live word
1: In the evening when joshu comes back nanshu puts the question to him now needless to say nanshan knows joshu's capabilities and he enacts this little play this tableau with him and for more reasons than one <coughs> one of course is to let him know what has been going on that afternoon how the monks failed to understand his teaching and he says what would you have done Had you been there, Joshu doesn't utter a word, but just takes off his sandal, puts it on his head and walks out. Nansen says admiringly, if you'd been there, the cat would have been saved. Now, how would Joshu have saved the cat?
3: (coughs) We must also see that this cat is not just a cat. It was a cut up until the time that Nansen, Nansen killed it. In killing it, he gave it life. Zen Master Dogen commented on this koan. He didn't cut the cut in two, he cut it in one. Sometimes it is translated. In cutting the cut, there was no cut.
2: How did Nansen bring the cat to life? We might ask, if that cat is alive. Where is it right now? That cat is not only a cat. It's Isha, the dog. It's the red bud tr- uh, tree flowering in the backyard. It's Moo. There you go. It's Moo. When you have a live Moo, the dead cat becomes a live Moo. Moo, moo. No different from meow, meow, meow. If it's a dead moo, it's a dead cat.
1: Have any of you read any of the Don Juan books by Carlos Casanega? No. Well, there's there's one part in one of the books where this guy is out, he's taking uh, mushrooms, eating mushrooms, and seeing all these gurus and he's out in the woods and he starts circling around in the dirt kind of like a dog does and then he relinquishes his last name to become his own person and that it seems to, it was a really uh, important thing for me to read this when you get rid of your last name get rid of who you where you came from and become your own person, you know, and I read this maybe in my 20s. And so, you know, wanting to be independent of my parents. It was that kind of idea. And so the cat was freed in that sense, or, you know, Don Juan was freed when he no longer had this past. He was just who he is now. Does that make sense? What I'm saying?
2: Yes but I'm still stuck on Yes I understand mu because I remember what is mu one of the very first koans and books we read what is mu and I just stayed with that for a long time until my discursive mind could not stand anymore and I googled buddhist mu and I saw these be- this beautiful artwork And the explanation that Moo is impermanence. It's everything. It's all and it's nothing, right? It's so, how did Nansen bring the cat to life? And then this brings up, when you have a live Moo, then nothing dies and everything's alive and everything is all one. And so there's really no true death of a cat, of humans, of of anything, because it's all one. It's all here in life and death. Did I just talk in circles? Did I? No,
1: make- no. And I've been thinking today. Tomorrow morning, my um, my father-in-law is going to be buried, and I was thinking they're not burying him at all. They're burying the skin and bones that was where he. Uh, he lived, you know. They can't. They can't put him in a casket because he's not there anymore.
2: He's not dead.
1: He's not dead. He's not dead. I mean, I, I had this big thing that I wanted them to do a movie of them putting the. I I had this kind of like movie script in my mind of they would lower the casket in and people would throw dirt and i guess they don't do that thing you know and the casket my uh sister-in-law sent me a picture and the casket is on some fake grass with some straps around it and um, on the other side of the hole and they're standing around the hole and that's all this they never get to see it buried And then I remember another funeral, I went to a Southern Baptist funeral, and toward the end, it was like two hours of eulogies. And at the end, the minister said, "Um, and now if I were to open the casket, it will be empty. And I just loved that, that it was no longer a person in there because they had released the person to, you know, to God or whatever. So... So the cat's not dead. Okay. Then in the evening, Shu
0: comes back. This koan can be seen as a drama, a drama in two acts. The first act is the killing of the cat. In the second act, when Shu enters and then walks off, he is not only bringing the cat alive as Nansen had done in his way, In fact, the act of putting the shoe on his head, he was bringing all those dead monks alive. And we also must see the act one and act two go together. What is necessary for that first act to acquire ultimate meaning is Zhu's act. We could say it is like the drama of Jesus being betrayed by Judas without having been betrayed by Judas, Jesus never could have been resurrected. And the drama of Christ, as I understand it, is his death and resurrection, the two go together. Actually, you can think of this koan in those same terms, the great death and the great resurrection or the great revival.
1: The question then for you is where is the resurrection coming from? What is this great revival? I was just asking myself that. What is this great revival of Toshus? Because it seemed too late. Why is he just putting a sandal <coughs> on his head? Why does Nansen say admiredly, If you had been there the cat would have been saved? Melinda?
3: Every Mondo, and especially this Mondo, what did you say is that?
1: A Mondo is an argument between two teachers or two, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Okay, thank you. A, uh, like a discussion, but something, you know, stronger.
3: hmm Thank you. Every Mondo, especially this Mondo, is really a Dharma duel. There we go. Nansen lays down the gauntlet and the gauntlet, and Joshua picks up the challenge immediately. And notice how adroitly,
1: adroitly, yeah,
3: adroitly, Joshua dodges Nansen, Nansen's thrust, trust, which was the same kind of thrust that he presented to the monks. But Joshua is too nimble he sidesteps in, in what sense does he do so by putting his handle on his hand?
2: You know, this reminds me, and and I'll keep it short because I know it's getting later, of a film I think we watched one Friday night at Mata, And it was about, someone's teacher i don't remember names or whatever but this was this he was an amazing a ama- modern day teacher and he then selected a place to build um his his um zen retreat and had come up with plans and so on had many many followers And then arguments started breaking out about how to do things right, do this, do that, which how they should handle this, that, or the other, among the different groups, committees, whatever they were called at the time. And then one night he called all of the people, as if Peg or Flint had called all of the people in Appomattox together into this big hall. And he just started crying and apologizing for how he had failed them as a teacher because if he hadn't failed them they would not be engaged in these disagreements and he just and he poured his heart out so earnestly so humbly um so fully that everyone in the room started crying too and feeling like they had failed him and there was never any argument again over how this construction was going to take place And this sort of reminds me, the shoe on the head, that's what this reminds me about. Instead of killing the cat, the shoe on the head, showing the monks and and his own co-teacher, the mourning over what the monks did not see, just the tremendous sadness of this teacher over what um, they didn't grasp reminded me of that movie. Thank you. Emma, are we on consider for a moment? Yes. Consider for a moment what it means to put a sandal on your head. Sane people don't do that. Ordinary people don't. What then is Joshua's indicating by this act? In Zen it is said that the highest truth is beyond knowing. How so? Because our true nature is free from all knowing and not knowing. It surpasses all concepts of right and wrong, of this and that. Cat has the Buddha nature. Cat doesn't have the Buddha nature. Dog has the Buddha nature. Dog doesn't have the Buddha nature. Is the enlightened person subject to the law of cause and effect, or is he not? In every one of these ideas, we are obscuring the wholeness of our true nature. Nansen, with one stroke, cut out all of these delusions of the monks. Like a surgeon with a scalpel, he cut out the cancer of this contentious mind. And then we have Joshua, who heals the wound completely. We see here what a great monk he is. People without understanding may see all this as a kind as a kind of a silly play involving the unnecessary killing of a cat. R.H. Blythe, who was an anti-vivisectionist, carried on.
1: You know what that is? Someone who cuts people up. Maybe someone for uh, anatomy. Uh, Let me look it up. Performing operations on live animals for the purpose of experimentation or more.
2: Oh, my goodness. Good for him. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> so, R.H. Blythe, who was an anti-vivisectionist, carried on at length about nonsense and the killing of the cat. He said something like, nonsense is a man who loved his teaching more than cats. But that would be taking the text literally. To be sure, there was no actual physical killing of the cat.
3: How could it be? How could it say to be sure? <laughs> to be sure there was no actual physical killing of the cat. I mean, the concept there was. <laughs> so everything else is an, um, what do you say, assumption or interpretation?
1: Well, I can see that if you if you see that that this was a very skilled Zen teacher, who probably followed the precepts very well, and <laughs> of not killing, and um, and then also how many I'm not going to say all fathers, but many of us make threats that we never carry out, but. Um, luckily we don't follow follow through um so it it would really be um be like a conflict if if this great teacher actually did something so dumb as to cut a cat in half
3: No, I understand, but it's just an interpretation because the cons is something else, isn't it? Yeah,
1: and we've read it. Norman Fisher said something to that effect also, you know, but not not quite as, as saying, you're, you're right. How do we know? And I think that was part of what Peg objected to with that person, um, you know, that we don't know for sure. What happened?
2: Maybe the way he killed the cat was rather than it belonging to the East Dormitory or the West Dormitory. He just gave the cat away and then it belonged to no one.
1: Now I'm curious. uh, We're assuming that, that these two different groups of monks were arguing about a cat. But were they arguing about how do we know it was about who owned the cat? You and I, Nelda, are kind of assuming that.
2: Or but maybe it, it was just a cat habuda nature. Maybe that's what they were. Calling.
1: Anything. Yeah, anything. like we, we saw in the picture of arguing. It could have very well <laughs> been that.
3: I think the other version of the con, the one in the Serenity book, says something in regards that they were arguing about who
1: the. Here I have it here. Oops, dying. Here we go.
2: And thank you, Melin, for pointing that out, which i I love when people do when when we say things like Gee. no,
1: no, mm-hmm. Malin. We- One day at Nanquan's, the eastern and western halls were arguing over a cat. So still, it doesn't say that this is from the Book of Serenity. Mm -hmm. When Nanquan saw this, he took and held it up and said, if you can speak, I won't cut it. The group had no reply. Nanquan then cut the cat in two. So they don't act, it doesn't actually say what they were fighting about. (coughs) Another, in one of the uh, verses, it says they were all arguing. No, it doesn't say.
0: So is is what you're looking at, Kim, a different interpretation of?
1: A different um, translation. Okay. In the evening, who's reading?
0: It's me. Um, okay. I thought we were somewhere else. But okay, I'll start. With. In the evening, when jean comes back. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Questions.
1: You're right, you're right. We we are
0: we're we're a while old. Keep going, keep going, keep going.
1: I think where it says uh, and so the,
2: to be sure, where it says to be sure, <laughs> because that's where where Milen pointed that out to us.
1: Where is that?
2: To be sure, they didn't kill the cat.
1: Let's but see. Are you seeing it?
2: No, no, I'm
0: not. I think you, I think you keep going up. There it okay. is. Yeah, now we come. There it is. Okay. Now we come to Muman's commentary. He says, just say what is the real meaning of Zhao Zhu's putting his sandal on his head. If you can give a turning word on this point you will see that nonsense action was not in vain but if not beware
1: just as one second i want to see how much more we have i propose since our time is up that we should um start here next time and then do um dogan's thing is that okay with everyone
2: yes sounds like a good idea
1: and so then we can work um work on this a little did this open an, uh, stuff up for you it did for me do we feel more like at ground zero yeah like we don't know a thing
2: exactly so isn't that perfect
1: yeah yeah, and we'll you. give Cody a time like now you have a week to spend with us Cody.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, I should be here next week.
2: Thank you everyone for sharing. Yeah,
0: okay. I'm good. Eat.